This is the MG Car Club Podcast. On this week's episode, we learn all about hydrogas and hydroelastic suspensions. The MG Car Club Podcast. Hello, welcome to another MG Car Club podcast. Wayne Scott with you. Hope you're keeping well. A techie episode for you ahead as we talk to one of those fantastic cottage industries that has within it some of those essential and very little known skills from craftsmen who keep our MGs on the road, in particular MGFs. And it's all about the hydrogas and hydroelastic suspension systems that British Leyland put into the cars very, very early on from the Allegro onwards, and also that found the way into MGFs. Ian, from a company that specialises in fixing them, is going to tell us why they're so important to keep maintained on an MGF and just what happens if you don't. So key information for you if you're an MGF owner on the way very soon. But first, lots of great stuff happening in the MG Car Club community. And of course, just two months away now from the big triumphant MG weekend at the Three Counties Showground at Malvern. And a historic competition will be joining the event as the California Cup Auto Test opens for entries. The premier MG Car Club Auto Test takes place on the 14th of August. That's the Saturday of the weekend and is open to MG Car Club members only. You'll also need an RS Clubman license from Motorsport UK. They're free and they're really easy to get hold of. You'll find the links on the website at triumphandmgweekend.com underneath the news section there or of course just search for it on the Motorsport UK website. And anyone who's seen the California Cup knows just how hard fought this competition is. It's been running literally for decades within the club. And it comprises of a series of tests laid out on smooth tarmac, initially with two tests run concurrently, uh, just to keep things moving along, and also tests that will provide a challenge to the quickest of cars but also allow plenty of fun and fair competition to the more sedate MGs as the MG Car Club members battle it out for the trophies on offer. And those trophies consist of the California Cup, the big one, of course, the Register Trophy, which is contested by teams of three drivers from any vintage, the BMC Trophy, the Longbridge Trophy, and lots of other fun things as well including individual awards for fastest time of the day, fastest lady driver and fastest MGB. And all of those awards cover all MGs from 1924 to the present day. So as I say, the events run under a Motorsport UK Clubman's permit, so all competitors will need to apply for a 2021 RS Clubman license, which is free, and you can get it from the Motorsport UK website. It's delivered to you by your email. You just print it out and you're ready to go. And you can download all of the regulations. You can find the link to get your Clubman's license and get all the other information you need to enter the California Cup via the triumphandmgweekend.com event website. Or if you've got any other questions, just drop Noel Linford a message. We've had him on this podcast towards the uh, middle part of last year, actually. His email address is noel.linford at btinternet.com. And if you haven't yet got your tickets for the Triumph and MG weekend, don't delay. As I say, just two months to go, and it is, as current restrictions require, a ticket-only event. There will not be tickets available on the gate. It's pre-book only. 
that's what we have to adhere to for the COVID regulations, track and trace and all that kind of stuff. So make sure that you get your tickets. Don't miss out on this fantastic weekend. Also, if you read our newsletter that goes out every week, you'll know that we've been running the MG Artwork competition to find the best and most talented artists amongst the MG community. You'll be able to see all of the entries from that MG Artwork contest, all of the entries that have been coming in, and there's loads of them, some amazing pictures as well, in our MG Art Gallery in Avon Hall at the Three Counties Showground throughout the weekend of 13th to the 15th of August at the Triumph and MG Weekend at Mol and there will be prizes for those that get the people's choice it will be worth seeing them all though make sure you check that out and if you are an artist if you've drawn a great picture if you've painted something maybe you've done a sculpture there is still time to enter those 30th of june is the closing date you'll find the links and the forms to fill out to enter your artwork via the weekly newsletter from the mg car club the NEC Classic Motor Show, of course, is the season end for the classic car community. And every year, the team behind the show chooses a theme for the show that will challenge exhibiting clubs like us here at the MG Car Club to create displays around that theme and interpret it in our own way. Well, they've announced their theme for the 2021 show that's happening this November, and it is The Journey Continues. And apparently they wanted the show theme to reflect where we all are right now. Looking forward to the journey continuing, of course. And uh, Lee Masters, the show director, said that our lives and hobbies were somewhat put on hold due to COVID. But now as the government roadmap unfolds, we can get back on the road in every sense. If you haven't got your tickets yet, don't buy them until you've found the MG Car Club members discount code. And you can find that by logging in via your members login at mgcc.co.uk. It gets your money off the tickets. It's worth doing. Don't pay full price, especially if you're an MG Car Club member. And if you're not, why not? Join the club, all the details and all the benefits listed at mgcc.co.uk. Right, MGF suspensions next. We'll be learning how to fix them and why next. The MG Car Club Podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club Podcast. On this week's MG Car Club podcast, we are going technical, and it's about time actually we had a technical subject on the podcast to share with you all, and they don't come much more technical than this. I'm learning, as well as all of you listening, about this particular part of technology, but uh, those with MGFs in particular, listen up, because there's lots of information for you coming in the next 20 minutes that is crucial to keeping your car on the road. So let's find out more as I uh, welcome Ian Kennedy, a director and technician for Hydrogas and Hydroelastic Service Limited. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. <laughs> Great to have you on. So let's start at the very beginning then. Explain the technology we're talking about here and how it applies to us as MG owners. Well, basically, uh, instead of having a conventional uh, seal spring uh, on each corner of the car, uh, you've got... Uh, mild steel container 
and that can and that's got uh, nitrogen in the top half, which is separated by a diaphragm. And in the bottom half, you've got uh, a water and alcohol-based fluid. And what actually happens is the uh, when you hit a bump, the fluid is forced up because it's not compressible, and that acts upon the uh, nitrogen spring. So it's actually uh, nitrogen gas. What's uh, springing medium uh, on these cars. So what was the first British or British Leyland car that really took this technology on board then, and, and why? It was the uh, Austin Allegro. Uh, but prior to that, there was another system called Hydroelastic, and uh, people get the two mixed up. But the Hydroelastic uses rubber as a springing medium above the fluid, where the uh, hydrogas uses gas, and, that, and hence the two names hydroelastic and hydrogas. So the first car to have the hydroelastic was the uh, Morris 1100, and then uh, they then fitted it to the Mini Saloon, and then uh, the Austin 1800, uh, and then the Maxi. Uh, And after that, when the uh, uh, Allegro was launched, they decided to uh, make a development on the the rubber springing and, like, take the uh, rubber rubber cone above the fluid away and uh, use a sphere of gas instead uh, because they did get a little criticism on the hydroelastic uh, that it was a bit bouncy so uh, using gas as a a springing medium uh, that that was one of the reasons another alleged reason was cost that it was cheaper to uh, use a charge of gas as a springing medium than like solid rubber I mean, the obvious question is here, what was wrong with the good old spring and shock absorber, first of all, and what what problems were they trying to get round when they rolled out this technology? Well, well one was uh, the amazing comfort it gives, uh, which just cannot be uh, replicated with any form of conventional spring. Uh, Dr Alex Moulton, who invented these suspensions, put his whole life into it, and, and, and basically, it was a, it was very much space saving as well. You can get a hydrogas or hydroelastic uh, unit in a much smaller area than a conventional spring, and uh, and also they were designed to last the life of the car, where conventional shock absorbers uh, and springs uh, wear out basically. So, how did you get into being the nation specialist in this technology? <laughs> how how did this come about? Well, uh, I've been interested in these cars uh, from an early age, uh, long before uh, they really give any problems. But uh, about 10 years ago, we had a Metro and the uh, suspension went rock hard on it. And I'd I'd heard that somebody in Germany had uh, found a way of, uh, they got somebody to weld a collar onto a hydrogas unit and, and recharge it. Well, being a, a qualified and experienced welder of pressure vessels, I thought, I'll give that a go myself. And we did it on our own Metro, and it was 100% successful. And it just it just went from there, basically. I just can't believe how much it's grown and, and the uh, demand, uh, the amount of love people have for these cars and the way they want them original as in, and uh, as they're designed to be. You had to do this uh, interview uh, late on in the day because obviously you're so busy, packed out with cars in the workshop. What have you been working on today? I've been actually re- just recharging units today to uh, build up the stocks. Well, yesterday uh, we were working on an MGF Trophy and uh, an MG Metro. 
we uh, we actually travel to the customer's house and actually do a mobile service and fit a set of exchange recharge units uh, at the customer's uh, home. What sort of problems do you see then? Because as you mentioned there, they were designed to last the life of the vehicle. So what can go wrong? Well, what it actually was, when they did the maths, and when, the, when they were talking about the life of the vehicle, uh, from the manufacturer's point of view, they were looking like of a lifespan of 15 years. Now, when they uh, charged the top of the unit with nitrogen gas, they made no provision to replace this because... Uh, as far as they were concerned, it would last the life of the car. But in their eyes, that was 15 years, and the gas does gradually escape. And because all, all of our cars are well over 15 years, all of the units are all low on gas, and they all they're all suffering from the same problem. One of the problems is then basically that this gas then disappears, and you presumably then have got to take the unit out and work out a way of modifying it then so you can top it up in effect yeah well to completely pull the gas back into how it was uh when it was manufactured because what happens the gas the, the escape of gas is very very slow i mean it might lose three three percent of the gas per year and uh, or, or on some units a bit more there's nothing uh there's no two units the same and uh, what happens is they made provision to top the fluid up so, so to compensate for the slight loss of fluid you get and the slight loss of gas, you can pump more fluid in, and that keeps raising the car to the correct height. But uh, eventually, uh, when all the springing medium's gone and you've pumped uh, more, more and more fluid in the unit, the, there's no there's no travel left on the suspension, and it gives uh, uh, a very uncomfortable ride, and it destroys the units as well because they were never intended to uh, operate without any gas in but it's a catch-22 they never made provision to top the gas up so uh, I think they're expecting you to go to an MG dealer and buy a new unit but I mean that was only for the sort of service life of the car if ever it was needed in 10 years after the last car was manufactured and uh, I don't think any car manufacturer cares what happens after that you see so the service the cars for like 10 years after the last one uh, left the factory and then that's it sort of thing you know it's just like some cars have built in obsolescence into the electronics so like when the car's over 10 years old the manufacturer doesn't care anymore and you see cars going to the scrapyards because of failed electronics you know it's just ridiculous really tips then for mgf owners uh, i'm looking to buy one i'm going through all the normal checks for body corrosion uh head gaskets all the rest of it when i get to the suspension then what am i looking for how do i know there's a problem and you know what should i be really worried about if i find it well well basically due to the age of any mgf that they always need recharge units fitting uh, like I said, the, the gas escapes at varying rates from car to car and unit to unit. It's a bit like if you put your car in a garage and left it there for 15 years, the tyres on the car, although they're not punctured, uh, would lose air. And, uh, you know, you might have one tyre that's flat, one that's sort of uh, half down, and another one that's nearly all the way down. But the, the fact is that all four tyres would need pumping up. And it's the same with the units, they're always going to want doing because uh, uh, they're all going to be low on gas. And, and basically, if you press down on an MGF uh, uh, and the units have not been done, they, they've been left as they originally were, there'll be limited travel on the suspension. Either that or the car will be low on the ride height. 
you could take the car somewhere and have that fluid pumped up so the car got the right height, goes up to the correct height again, but the, the travel won't be there and the suspension will be uncomfortable. And, it, and, it, and also that puts the units at risk of failure. So it's better off just having a set of recharge units fitted as a matter of course, rather than trying to drive the car around and waiting for them to fail. What's the general process then when an MGF owner comes to you? Do you have sort of reconditioned units that you've already done on the shelf that you then fit to their car and and take their old ones off? Or do you actually repair the ones that came off their car at the same time? We have loads on the shelf. We have have large stocks and we usually come to the customer's house and we uh, uh, remove their existing units, fit a set of recharged and, and rig tested units which will perform like new again and then uh, we take theirs away uh, to be refurbished so take us in the workshop then ian and uh, if i was your young apprentice and i've turned up for the first day at work and you're now going to teach me how to refurb these units it's in front of me it's on the table it's grotty and covered in bits of rust where do we begin well uh, f- firstly uh, a visual inspection is needed uh, look over the units to make sure there's no splits in the casing or or any evidence of fluid leaks because uh, if there is it's uh, that unit scraps so you've got to like carefully check the physical and, and visual condition uh, and then what we do uh, we drill a very small hole in the top of the unit and we, and we position this because this is where the collar's going to go and it has to miss any pipes or, or 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 the structure of the body on the car so i have a specific position where i put that yeah we drill a small hole to start with and then we check the position of the gas diaphragm in the unit uh, because if the gas diaphragm has turned inside out uh, we have to return that to the correct position before we can do anything else and we do that with compressed air so if, if the if the diaphragm has risen we, we return that to the correct position with uh, compressed air and then we and then we check with uh, a plastic probe through the hole that the unit that the the, the diaphragm has actually gone back and then we uh drill a hole a little larger and uh, uh, we, we cut a thread in that and then we have a special system where we attach a collar and use a bolt through the through a welding earth to uh, attach that to the uh, uh, body of the unit and then we uh, uh, weld the collar uh, all the way round and then cool it rapidly to prevent any heat reaching the diaphragm. Got, it's got to be welded very quickly and the weld's got to have 100%, 100% penetration all the way around and there's got to be zero leaks but it's got to be done very, very quickly so that heat doesn't travel into the unit and destroy it. And typically, once you've completed a unit then and it goes on to a customer's car, how long would you expect that to last before it needs to come back to you again? Uh, it should last the life, the original lifespan, which was about 15 years. Uh, before it needs to come back to us again so it's a long-term fix it is great thing that people are not only saving these cars and you know making the necessary repairs i mean obviously mgfs are an obvious car to to keep preserved but fascinating as well to hear about the other cars in the british leyland family you mentioned the allegro there but there is still a huge enthusiast base for these cars keeping them on the road keeping them preserved isn't there yeah, well, well, this is proven by the fact that we've been, despite the pandemic, we've been working, uh, well, most weeks, seven days a week for the last uh, two years. And then before that, it was busy. It's just gone from strength to strength, and it seems never-ending. There's that many uh, 
uh, people have so much love for the cars. I want them right. And, and it's not just about comfort. When a, a set of our units are being fitted, uh, the car stays better, it sits better, it drives better, handles better. Uh, and, and of course, it has the supreme comfort back. The whole the whole driving experience changes when, when these units are replaced. I mean, talking specifically about MGFs, here you have a mid-engine sports car. We all know how how well they drive and how much power they've got and how you know what a great experience it is to throw one down a, a sunny B road on a summer's evening. But if you make sure the suspension is up to scratch and as it was when it left the factory, it really can transform your enjoyment of that sports car experience, can't it? Yeah, I mean, it sticks to the road better and it's just a wonderful system. I mean... The only reason it was discontinued was for cost reasons. That was the only reason uh, they would have carried on with it if they could have done. I guess this was really the, albeit expensive, early start of some of those more detailed suspension systems that we see now. Yeah, and the beauty, beauty of this, though, is all done mathematically and scientifically without needing electronics and without needing complicated pipe work and complicated like, compressors on the car, which... Uh, often fail and cost a fortune and complicated sensors. It was all done on a drawing board and it was kept simple so you get like a superb result but uh, but simplicity and very little to go wrong. It's just the only thing that goes wrong is that gas escapes and that's just something that happens over time. It sort of was good for the uh, what the what the manufacturer would have called the life of the car. Yeah, it's a good point. I've got a Land Rover Discovery 3 as my daily driver, and that's got air suspension on it. And very rarely does the air suspension go wrong. It's a really robust, solid unit. What always fails is the electronics, the control modules or the solenoids that are attached to it and that do all the sort of thinking, the brain, if you like. And as you say, the simplicity of this system is all of that's gone, isn't it? And it's just literally fluids, gases, physics, and a big chunk of metal. Yeah, it was just amazing. You know, the the, the the guy who designed it was a genius. And, uh, yeah, and his legacy really does live on. Also should just touch on the fact that there is a safety aspect to this as well. Because ultimately, when they design a car, they design a car so that the suspension helps keep the best contact patch of the tyre to the road at all times. That is principally what suspension design is all about. So it is important, if you are an MGF owner that you keep an eye on this stuff and that if you have any doubts at all, if there's no history with the cars to when your suspension was worked on, you really ought to do it just for the safety element of things like braking and steering in bad weather and road holding. There is a real safety element to it, isn't there? There certainly is. And, uh, and also, uh, uh, you know, I've heard about people hitting potholes and there's been no travel on the suspension. The car's actually lifted off the road and have lost control of it because the suspension just isn't working as intended. And also, if you hit a big bump, the suspension arm will never contact the bump stop because uh, when the gas escapes and you pump more fluid in, uh, you've lost the travel. And that travel's important. You've got such a, a niche understanding of these components and you're such craftsmen and you've got so many years of experience and knowledge locked away in your brain um what are we going to do when you don't want to do this anymore how are we going to keep the cars on the road are, are you teaching anyone all of these skills uh, sadly no it's uh you know it's such a niche market that you've just got to i've invented a lot of the processes uh, and, I, and i just don't like 
uh, well, well, same as any other business. If you start showing people, then uh, I mean, I mean you, you know, everything might be fine. But on the other hand, uh, it's just not something you do. It's such a niche market that uh, you can't afford to have someone on every street corner doing this, really, because there just wouldn't be enough work to go around. Mm. I mean, we're really busy, but we're the only sort of registered company that does this, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a problem. I think that the the whole historic vehicle community faces, and you know, like you say, you need to keep your skills close because that's how you earn your living. But equally, we need to make sure that the knowledge is safeguarded for the future. To make sure that thirty years from now, I'm sure you still don't want to be laying on people's drives, changing their <laughs> suspension units, Ian. But someone has to if we're going to keep all these cars on the road. And um, you know, hopefully, we can inspire some other people to be uh, taking up little niche crafts like this within the classic car world. Well, a bit is because we're a proper business. Uh... Obviously, if ever, uh, I mean, I want to do it as long as possible, but if I ever had enough, I could, you know, sell the business on and then show somebody all about it. That's the beauty of having a proper uh, official business. You know, if it's somebody doing something in the shed and that haven't gone as far as I did, then the skills just die off with the person, really. Great to hear you're so busy and great to hear that, you know, your skills are appreciated by the classic car world. It's great to talk to you here on the podcast as well. So um, how do people get in touch with you? MGF owners are all now scrabbling around the internet trying to find your contact details because they haven't had their suspension looked at in a long time. (laughs) So how can they get hold of you? I mean, basically, if you just type the word hydrogas into uh, Google, we're either at the top of the list or very near. It just comes up hydrogas and hydroelastic service limited. And that's us. That's the great thing about being one of a kind, Ian, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. <laughs> so, yeah, if you just put the word hydrogas in, we come up, or just hydrogas and hydroelastic service, and we're there. And what proportion of your work is MGs over the course of the year, do you think? Probably about 60%, I'd say. Right. And the rest are Allegro's princesses, ambassadors, uh, the hydroelastic units, which don't, needs to be recharged but the uh, rubber hoses fail on those so for the MG 1100 and 1300 cars and the minis of course and maxis and all of those you know they make up the rest of it I'd say about 60% MGFs It's been a phenomenal scene that's built around the MGF having met so many owners as you no doubt have how have you seen the MGF community change? Is it more a serious classic car community or are there still lots of daily drivers out there? And, you know, how have you seen the sort of ownership profile change over the years? Uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them are still daily drivers. You get you, you get that, you know, we, we do all sorts, you know, we do down at heel ones where the people just want to enjoy them and they're, they're certainly not a show winner. And then you get the... Uh, uh, the absolute concourse ones, you know, it doesn't one extreme to the others. Uh, other, all, all sorts of people have them, you know. Some people have never been to a show, and other people uh, are showing them whenever they can. 
Well, it's certainly a model we love here in the MG Car Club, but uh, more than anything, we love to hear about businesses like yours, Ian, that are doing great stuff and uh, have a real good uh, a, a skill and craft behind them. Little cottage industries, I suppose you can call them. So uh, stick with it, Ian. And, uh, you know, we're all queuing up now to come and take our <laughs> MGS to you. Uh, we will, of course, put the links to Ian's website so you can get in touch with him on the description part of the podcast page. And, of course... Uh we have our MG5 electric estate car, which we go out and about into do the customer's cars. Yeah, how are you getting on with that? Uh, I think it's a wonderful car. It's just uh, a very competent car, uh, beautifully built, and uh, it's just so smooth, uh, so, well, so reliable, but you expect that these days, but so rapid and uh, everything about it, you know, it's just wonderfully finished and a lovely car to drive and uh very smooth and uh very efficient you not got any of the range anxiety with charging it up or anything like that not at all i mean once you get used to it it's just no no, no more range anxiety than running out of petrol you know you, you have to plan your journey a bit but by the time you've done 200 miles you, you want to break anyway and by the time you've had that you you, you put plenty of miles on it's very it doesn't take that long to charge you know it's just a little tiny change you need to make and the benefits are enormous you know i love my classic cars uh and everything but uh, i do honestly think now i've had this that there's no real place for a combustion engine in a in a modern car anymore as long as we can protect our classic cars and the cars from history that we enjoy and preserve then there's no reason to continue with it you know embrace electric cars for the daily driver as it were but for the classic let's celebrate them keep them on the road keep them going and celebrate the fact that they're already built let's use it and not waste it let's recycle these cars and enjoy them of course i mean when you look at you know you know current cars the the, the engines are quite boring they, they put like thrashy little three cylinders in and that and they're trying to make making something it isn't you know i mean uh, i'm not sort of i mean i care about the environment but i'm not one of these that's gonna uh sort of get up on a podium or anything but really uh uh yeah no petrol engine or no combustion engine's ever gonna be completely like really really clean not to the extent of electric and they're trying to do it by using three-cylinder engines and lots of sensors and lots of in some cases, <laughs> mistruths, you know, and as we all know, you know, and mm. with, the, with the electric car, it, you know, it has a performance of a three-litre petrol engine, but it, it's using hardly anything to propel it. You know, it's so, uh, the electricity is used in so much more productive way and they're so, it's, it, it's unadulterated. It's not strangled by sensors and, and legislation. It's just uh, uh, you put your foot down and it, yeah, it goes like no one's business, you know, and uh, and it's so cheap to so cheap to run and so little to go wrong. It's just no one in their right mind that on a modern car and ever go back if they had the chance. I don't think of an electric one. Mm. Oh, that's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, very good. And of course, the performance fantastic. Not only just the endless acceleration you get because obviously no gearbox so there's no end to the pull but also because we've got all those batteries mounted low down they handle so much better as well don't they 
Yeah, it, do, it really, really does. I mean, it's uh, you get your you get your modern cars, and a lot of them are a bit fidgety on the uh, suspension, or you, you get a great big heavy diesel engine in the front. I mean, I think this is why you get so many broken springs on some of these modern cars. I think it's the the sheer weight of these diesel engines, and and then you've got like a three cylinder engine with a turbocharger on it, trying to make the video. Why bother when you can just go electric and it drives so much better and you know you're not going to get caught out by emission zones you've got no engine oil or filter to worry about you've got no exhaust you've got no catalyst uh, in the heavy traffic we get so much these days the stop start motor in the traffic jams on the motorway there's just no wear and tear where, where, where in a traditional car you're up and down the gearbox the clutch is being used all the time and even if it's an automatic you've got friction linings in the transmission that are subject to wear all the time and with your EV there's, there's none of that mm, Absolutely and you know it's great to see such a modern car such a groundbreaking car but that has an MG badge on the front and that is affordable and this is a great thing so much like British Leyland did in the day what MG did in the 50s they basically democratised sports cars they made them affordable and i kind of feel they're doing that again with electric vehicles these cars are not tesla money they're actually normal sensible car money aren't they yeah they're a normal sensible car when you're in it and actually driving it it doesn't there's no wacky styling it's nicely styled but no uh, wacky features what uh, some some manufacturers have you getting it's a perfectly competent ordinary useful compact size but cavernous you know, load space car. It's just like going back to the 70s where uh, Leyland Man would have a Maxi or a Marina Estate or maybe an Allegro Estate and your Ford Man would have a Escort or Corsina Estate. And they're a sensible size, a sensible car, and they're a sensible money. And it's, it's going back to common sense, turning the clock back, but in a modern way, but back to the common sense again. It's great to celebrate the future of motoring with someone who helps to preserve the past. Really <laughs> yes. Good. And, uh, yeah, keep doing it, Ian. We're all behind you, all supporting you, and, uh, yeah, keep those skills alive. Brilliant. Uh, but for now, Ian Kennedy from Hydrogas and Hydroelectric Suspension Services and Repair Specialists. They do the lot, as you've just heard. Uh, thanks for joining us on the MG Car Club podcast. Thank you. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.com dot uk